Good deal. Well, good morning, y'all. Good to see y'all. Uh, where's, is Paula here? Uh, if you don't have a handout, if you would raise your hand up, please. Ah, yeah. Where's Trey? Ah, I just want to make some introductions. That's my nephew, Trey Sizemore. I don't know if you had, And then uh, my brother's son, oldest son, and my, and the guy, two, the, the weird-looking guy next to him over, not, not weird, in bad, but Eddie and Linda McGlamory, they've worked with us uh, down in Florida for years um, in Sizemore Corporation down there. And in fact, Eddie and Linda probably made it a lot possible for Paul and I to be up here uh, helping work with us down there. And so... They're awesome people. They'll be at the picnic day. You get a chance to meet them. Trying to get Eddie. He made phenomenal makes ribs. Man, pork ribs. Dude. What? I mean, awesome. I, know, man. We got I wish he'd have brought his grill when he came up. Dude, I mean, it is awesome. So, but anyway. Well, y'all, let's just pray real quick. I just want to pray. So, Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this opportunity just to build a... Just be with my brothers and sisters. And I just ask that the revelations of heaven come forth. Lord, uh, just revelations of heaven. And Lord, we thank you so much uh, for this privilege, Lord. Lord, your heart come forth, God. Your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Did, uh, did we get the PowerPoint? Good, 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 good. You know, y'all, we're living in phenomenal times, and it's kind of one of my favorite pastimes is just sort of read the news and just really try to piece together things and seeing what's happening. And last week I mentioned something that was just really phenomenal to me, not in a good sense, but just in a crazy sense, is this phenomenon of ISIS that has risen up in the Middle East. Uh, I was talking to George about it, and they, well, the interns are down in Big Stone Gap today, but you know, George was talking about even they're, they're trying to come into Beirut. In fact, they wrote on the, one of the prominent churches there in Beirut, um, you know, ISIS, we're, we're coming soon, beware, or something like that, you know, in Arabic. And, uh, but it was just, it's just interesting. And the thing that was interesting to me about how it just exploded, and then the other part of it that was fascinating is Americans going from here over there to fight with ISIS. And I was just, I'm going, what is that? And then, you know, this deal that happened out in Missouri, now, this thing just exploded, you know, and, and it wasn't good at all. However, whatever, you know, a young man was killed or an officer was attacked, you know, however, whatever, you know, but just that one event when I, I think uh, that same day or next day, hundreds of other people were killed in, you know, various ways like that around the, around the U.S. And why was it this one thing just exploded up in such craziness? And I, I really believe it's got to do with similar thing that God is giving us in relationship to the vision and dwelling place. The first phrase that we talked about last night, I mean last week, making a difference. You know, God has created in, in us to make a difference on the earth, whether you know Jesus or not. I just look at my life, and in fact I was thinking about my life coming up, and there was this thing in me to make a difference, and I didn't think of it that way, but I was making a difference before I came to know Jesus. Unfortunately, it was in causing trouble, destruction, hurting people, using people, even stealing from my own father. You know, I'd go into his convenience store and, and sneak into the 
the cooler and I'll pretend like I was cleaning the cooler and all I'd do is pack boxes up with beer and carry it out and go get drunk. You know, I mean, just crazy stuff that I would do, making a difference. But it's interesting to me that uh, in this passion to make a difference, even after I got saved, I remember getting saved and get baptized in the Holy Spirit. There's still this part in me to make a difference. And I remember like getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. And Paula at that time was good. You know, she was born and bred Southern Baptist. And her mindset was that when I told her I spoke in tongues, she took her wedding ring off. And so, you know, and so and to make a difference in my home, I would lay hands on her at night when she was asleep. I'm going, Lord, slap her down with the Holy Ghost. Let her come up speaking in tongues. That'll teach her, Lord. Obviously, God didn't do that. In fact, he was wanting, I know in the spirit, to slap me down and go and But in it, in this place to make a difference, what really started changing things in my life, that really making a difference is only good when it's got to do with relationships. Because we think about this, the, the statement here, making a difference by embracing God's heart. Now, now, that just those three words, embracing God's heart, are massively pregnant with meaning. And I'm hoping today that God would grace me enough to communicate to you the fullness of this. So let me just back up and just summarize the call into us. Let's go to this next, next slide. The call, you have it in your notes. To make a difference in this world is taking our place as salt and light. You remember last week I preached on, you know, we are salt. Jesus says we are salt. We are light. You don't have to become it. You are it. That's what he said. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. The only thing was, you remember last week, was first off is salt becomes diluted. That's the Greek word there. In English, it says tasteless, but you remember we've established that that's just being diluted. And we talk about being diluted with the world, either secular side of the world, religious facet of the world, or my world. And then the light being hidden under a, a basket. You know, you, the light's there. But then we talked about how light can be hidden in us. The light of Jesus can be hidden in us by, by law or Compare, um, comparisons or measurements or, or fear. And there was another one in my mind's gone blank. But this calls that to operate contrary to who we are. So the call is making a difference in this world, taking our place as salt and light, just being who you are in Christ Jesus. Notice what it says, being at places salt and light in the world, letting our lives in Christ be seen. When I say that, letting our lives be seen in Christ. Uh, I remember one time a friend of mine, when I was, Paul and I were moving to Big Stone Gap, and, and I was sitting in the living room with a, this friend and his wife, and, and he said, Rick, you come here. We don't want no size more flesh. We know what that looks like. We want that Jesus stuff in you, that spirit man in you. Don't bring no size more flesh here. Size more flesh will make a difference, all right, in the wrong way. And that's what I'm trying to speak in this. And what the Lord said, what, how are we going to make a difference? Simply, uh, for the purpose of making disciples in, of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Disciples of Jesus. Go ye into all the world and do what? 
That's not for leadership in a church only. Every one of us has that call. Well, what was making disciples of Jesus? Well, what is a disciple of Jesus? Jesus was one who just focused on two things, loving his Father and loving other people. Teaching all that I commanded you. Well, what did he command us to do? Believe and love. 1 John 3, 23. Which is participating with God in the birthing of sons and daughters of God. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. That he might bring many sons to glory. That's all Jesus was about. And I pray this into us, y'all, that we have a passion to make a difference in this world. Not in religion. Not in religion. And uh, by simply this, embracing God's heart. Now, let's, let's break this down. Because, y'all, there's nothing more frustrating than trying to be, make a difference. Trying to do something religious. Like, uh, you know, okay, uh, we're going to go out on the streets and you've got to share the gospel. Okay, let me get a, so I can put a notch on my belt. We're going to go do that. Just frustrating. But now there's a, there's a place of going out and just loving people. Just being who you are. Out there. Wherever you go. But how do I... Now, you know, this is really big. And I pray God grace, grace me this. Is making a difference by embracing God's heart. Now, what am I saying in that. And one of the things, embracing God's heart. Now, God, let's go to this. God really pushed me on this in relationship to David. And I want you to watch this. Uh, go, uh, go to the next slide. I think I got out of order. Sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, go on back. Go back one. Okay. Uh, notice this bottom phrase here in verse 26, and then we'll come back to the first one. It says, for David, after he had served the purpose of God and his generation, fell asleep. Man, I love that statement. I pray God that it may be true for Rick Sizemore. I pray that it be true for Paula and Rick in our household that we serve the purpose of God in our generation. Y'all, it's not about my purpose. It's about his purpose in this age. And you've heard me say this more, many times. Don't get caught up in the trap of looking for your purpose here. Your purpose ain't here. Sorry for the bad grammar. Your purpose is in the age to come. This age is seed for seed for the age to come. David served God's purpose in his generation and he fell asleep. How did, what empowered him to serve God's purpose? How was it? And notice the first phrase there in verse 22. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart. Oh, dude. He, David, with everything in him, sought to embrace the heart of God. That's what I love about David. I mean, he would, you know, he'd get in trouble, but he would get in trouble big. But he was after God's heart. I mean, he was going after God's heart to embrace his heart. 
is what empowered David to be said that he could make a difference in his generation. Amongst all of his screw-ups. I don't like that. He was committed adultery. He was a murderer. And he was, at times, he wasn't too cool as a father. And, man, one, one screw-up is, is a sinful census. He caused 75,000 people to get killed. But God's mercy and grace overcome all of that. To let it be said about him that he served God's purpose in his generation. And I love this phrase there in verse, part, in verse 22. It says, who will do all my will. And the only way you can go there, y'all, is just knowing the heart, of, pursuing the heart of God. Everything is about God's heart. The heart. Now, y'all, let's go to the next slide here because it hit me about Jesus. Get this, one of my all-time favorite past scripture. You know, this relationship between God the Father and God the Son is just so cool to me, and God the Holy Spirit. I mean, they're just so cool to me. We'll talk about it in a second. But get this about that Jesus, the Word of God, the only begotten God. Watch this. No one has seen God the Father at any time. The only begotten God, Jesus, who is in the bosom of the Father, He's explained him. It hit me. I mean, you see in your notes there what, I, what God really just put in my heart. Jesus was the heart of the Father. But Jesus came out expressing the heart of the Father. It was somebody I was talking to this last week, we were talking about, a, who was that? I can't remember. We were talking about Acts chapter 4. About Peter and John, and they, after they healed the guy at the gate, beautiful, and all of a sudden it came out. I mean, after they healed the guy, and the Pharisees are there with him, and it says they recognize them as having been with Jesus. Dude, that'd be a really cool thing to be accused of. I recognize you. Dude, you're one of those people. You freaks. Jesus. I recognize you, having been with Jesus. Well, Jesus came out. How only one place it can be said about it is we come out of the heart. That's what happened with Jesus. That's why he came out expressing the heart of the Father, because that's where he had been, in the heart of the Father. Not, I mean, just he was in the, I mean, like this, you know, like this. This is how I see it. <laughs> I was like like Shay, crawl up in my lap now. Or he, well, he still does. He hurts. <laughs> but in that place, that's the making a difference, embracing the heart. Now, y'all, when, we, when, when I say the heart of God, what do I mean? Because when you start looking and just running searches of that in the Word of God, it it. It looks different. And I was showing God, God, what are, why did you have me use this term heart? And if you're going to the next slide, first off is the heart of God expresses the glory and the knowledge of God. Second Corinthians 3.18, we with an all in the veiled faces beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord. You know, knowing glory means thoughts, opinions, and recognition. Go to the next slide. It expresses the knowledge of God. Like in 2 Corinthians, I mean 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 
seeing that his divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness. How? Through the true knowledge of him. So when we talk about the heart of God, we're talking about an, a, a term, overarching term. It refers to the knowledge of God and the heart of the glory of God. Now those terms, you can go a long way on. But the thing I want you to catch in this, y'all, go to the next, go to the next slide. And if you have in your Bibles, look in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, because I want to break this passage of Scripture down. Making a difference by embracing the heart of God. Now, y'all, let me just say this. I am not going to the heart of God to make, it, to, to make a difference. I'm going to the heart of God because that's just my place. That's what makes me function. Religion makes me sick. Joe Davidson, Joe and Michelle Davidson gave me a t-shirt one time that I still wear and still have it and love wearing it. It's against my relationship to have a religion, which I love. And so when I'm talking about this, uh, it's not about making a difference as the end goal. No, his heart is the goal. But how I can tell I've had his heart is I'll make a difference. You know, it's like, show me your works. You show me your works. My works will show me my, your, my faith. In like James chapter, James chapter 2, 3. But anyway, let's go on and watch this. First thing, catch the revelation here. That you and I are a letter of God. Notice this. You are letters of Christ. Cared for by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Y'all, just the, really, the reality is, you go around this room and catch the reality. Every one of us is a letter. And all Satan is wanting to do is veil this letter, dilute this letter. You and I are a letter of Christ, known in, what does it say here? Known in red. Let's just say a letter of such confidence. Written on Tobin, human hearts. In such confidence we have toward Christ, toward God. Not that we are adequate to consider anything that's come from ourselves, but our adequacies are for, of God. So y'all, to make this difference and to be it is, just catch the revelation. You're a letter. Not a le- you are a letter written by the Spirit of God. Now go on to the next slide. And what's very, very important here is catch this. He has made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter. What does that mean? That's that's talking about the law, but in other words, performance. Tell me how to do it. It's like, you know, me and me will come up here right here to Karen. I said, all right, Karen, uh, you know, I feel like the Spirit of God saying to me, I need to get up right now and finish the sermon and preach it. If not, if I speak that and God's spoken that and I impart that to Karen, if Karen's not careful, she'll start to think about all the reasons why she cannot do it. Because she's not qualified or she don't have this or she hasn't done that. But, but according to this passage of Scripture, her adequacy to get up here and speak is from who? God who has made her adequate. Not of the letter, not some thing where you're going to have a, a, you know, y'all, I've got a master's degree, you know, and thoughts about PhD, you know, but that does not qualify me to speak the word, to minister the gospel. None of that would qualify me, not of the letter, but of the what? 
the Spirit. For why? The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And it goes on to talk about the ministry of death. That's the law of Moses. That's when you deal with the, the law, the do's and don'ts of external actions. You know, if we're not careful, you know, we'll take that in relationship to ministry or, or even our relationship with God. You know, oh, how many of y'all, don't raise your hand. Please don't raise your hand. You'll feel confident in your relationship with God if you had your quiet time this morning. Well, if you're not careful, that's law. Because the quiet time don't make you right with God. Going on a date with Paula don't make me right with her. In fact, if I go on a date with her and things ain't right, that's sometimes one of the most miserable places to be for us. It can be ugly. I remember... <laughs> I'm sweating. <laughs> did I get there? Sorry about those illustrations. But anyway, not of the letter. I've done that with my relationship with Paula. I will do this and thou shalt, she shalleth be happy with me. You've heard me say it before. She has a strong prophetic ministry in this area. She sees right through the bull. Why are you taking me on a date? Why are you going to spend time with me? Huh? Just for me? Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Go on. Next slide. We are a letter not to perform, but to receive and to be God's heart. We with an unveiled face is beholding in a mirror. What? The glory of the Lord are transformed from glory to glory. Okay, get that, let that sink in. Unveiled face, nothing veiling it. Remember last week, you are the light, don't hide it. What are the things that could hide it? We with an unveiled face is beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We're seeing his heart. We're seeing his heart. It transforms me from glory to glory. And notice the next chapter, remember there's no verse divisions or chapter divisions. Notice this in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Go to the next slide, please. Verse 3. If our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God. Why? If our gospel is veiled, the world's not seeing it. Why? Because look at the next verse in verse 6. Go to the next slide. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who is shown where? In our hearts. Two phrases was going through my mind this morning as I was praying for this. Two things. One is heart transplant and heart to heart. And I, I just remember, yeah, God, yeah, I've been wanting to make a difference in my life, all my life. But Rick, you can cause more damage than, than you're going to fix. You need a heart transplant. You need my heart. That's where the light is. He's, he's shining in us. His heart into my heart. Embracing the heart of God. Now let me go 
there's an important thing to show here, y'all, when we start saying this, embracing the heart of God. You ever you thought of so embracing the heart of God? Okay, that's, big, that's a big statement, God. Embracing God's heart. Okay, you know what I want to say? Who? Who? I feel like Moses, in like Exodus 3, many times in this journey, when God says to Moses, you know, you got to realize this, Moses was educated in all of, all of Egypt. He was mighty man, word and deed. He was raised up an Egyptian, worshiping the gods of the Egyptians. And all of a sudden, he just realizes he's got this destiny to make a difference, to set God's, no, not God's people, to, to set the Hebrews free from Egypt. This is in him. He realizes he's a Hebrew, and he goes, man, I, want to, I, I just want to set my, my people free. I want to set my people free, yeah. But he starts trying to set the people free. And... When all of a sudden he gets rejection in the very thing that God created him to do and he ends up spending time out in the wilderness, 40 years, and all of a sudden God appears to him in a burning bush. Jesus is there. That's Jesus. You remember you see it in, in, in John chapter 8, you know, before Abraham was, I am. So there he appears to, to Moses and he says, go let my people go. Moses goes, two questions, who am I? To say, to let your people go. And then the next, the big one is, Moses goes, okay, okay. Uh, who am I? Okay. And then all of a sudden, Moses goes, big question. Who are you? Who do I say sent me? And that's when God says, I am. I feel like that, though, for many of us. Okay, embrace God's heart. Who? Who? Because if you're not careful, you'll start to think about embrace God's heart. You'll think in theological terms. Especially when you start embracing the reality of the Trinity. You will think theological, philosophical. i got to ask you a question here. You know, don't raise your hand. Okay, y'all just tell me what the Trinity means. Uh, well, it's water. You freeze it, it turns to ice. And you heat it, it becomes steam. And what, uh, you know, how's that really? God, Trinity, what? I don't know, I'm confused. That's, that's the number one button pusher, one of the number one button pushers for Muslims. Trinity. I just say, there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. In the beginning, God, Elohim. God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit. Jesus gets water baptized. Jesus, Son of God, Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He comes out of the water. Holy Spirit comes on him like a dove. A voice out of heaven says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The fullness. Relationship. You think, don't think relation, don't think theologically, philosophically, think relationship. You ever pick this book up, think relationship. Number one command, love. That's relationship. Number two command, love. That's relationship. Not love the Bible. Oh, oh yeah, that's okay. Let me just read. That's my quiet time, yes. Love the Bible. God's there many times we have to come. Okay, let me have my quiet time. Yeah, okay, I got to have the quiet time. And go, oh, yeah, okay. And, and when he saw the multitude and he went up on the mountain after them. Okay, yeah, okay. That's real. What does that mean? Yeah, okay. We do, okay, I did my quiet time. 
And God's going, me? That's what John 5, 39 says. They search the scriptures because in them they think they have eternal life, but it's these that bear witness of me. I just want you to see my heart. When I say embracing the heart of God, I'm talking about the fullness of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And just really right now, I'm just going to speak about three, five facets real quick. Why is it so important for me to embrace the heart of God? I want you to notice this passage of Scripture, a very important passage of Scripture. Catch this. Because I, when I embrace the heart of God, do you remember? Facet of it, glory or knowledge of God. When I embrace the heart of God. Yeah. In fact, let me, before I say this statement. I was about, when I first got saved, and before I got saved, it was totally messed. But I was about as dysfunctionally relationally as could be. I mean, I had Trey's brother, I mean, dad, was 12 years older than me. So I was more or less born, I mean, raised up the only, an only kid. I mean, when I, was, when I was six, going into first grade, we moved and Bud finished high school in the town that he was at. And then he went off to college and then went into the Air Force. And then I was just raised up in this place, being like an only kid, and not. And in a, you know, my home was dysfunctional, Southwest Virginia mindset in South Florida. You know, man, husband, head, wife, submit. You know, and all the, the stuff that goes along with that. And uh, I didn't know relationships. I was totally relationally screwed up. And you get saved and get somebody a little religion in them and don't know anything about relationship, it is deadly. It's all about the, the stuff in the book, the do's and don'ts of how to do it, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But all of a sudden, God started imparting into me and realizing it's all about the heart. I didn't understand it totally. But I want you to catch this. And God started doing a thing in my life. And I'm going to be careful y'all this morning. I was praying this this morning. I said, all right, Lord, I'm going to, we're going to impart the full nature of God here this morning. And we can cause some things to get crazy. After you come out of here. Because what we're asking is, watch this. We with an unveiled face is beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Now watch this are being transformed. I see the glory. It changes me. Religion don't change me. I see who he is. It changes me. Y'all, this is one of the things we prayed in here. Lord, let us say, let us sing, and just clearly who you are. Because if everybody can just see who he is clearly, it'll do what to us? I cannot tell you what to do. I don't want to tell you what to do. If I tell you what to do, it'll screw you up. All I want to do is just reflect who he is. That's all. If I can just speak who he is clearly, it will transform you and me. But watch this, y'all. Transform you into the, look at that, into the what? Same image. Say this with me. Transformed 
into the same image. What am I after? If I see God, the Father, as God the Father is, it transforms me into the same image as the Father. What, that, what does that mean? What did I just say? Y'all, when we first got married, I was dysfunctional as a husband. I was dysfunctional as a father. Dude, when we had a baby, I didn't want to bring Shay home from the hospital. I'm serious. You heard me say it. When the nurse said, you can go home, I said, do we have to? And I'm not kidding around. I mean, I'm going, how do you do this? And I'm still learning. That's why when I hold, I hold Max and Francis, it can hit me right now. I can, y'all, I just wish I knew what I know now, then. And that's why my heart now as a grandfather, to fill the gaps for Shay and Leela, but then empower Shay to never go where I went. And it's not for me to tell him how to do it. It's for me to point him to the glory of God. Look at this verse in 1 John chapter 3. Everyone who fixed his hope on him purifies himself just as he is pure. How do you see in the spirit? With hope. Hope is the object of your faith. Y'all, just say this with me. Just Jesus. Come on, y'all. Just Jesus. Peter could walk on water when he fixed his eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Just see him. Y'all remember when, when uh, oh, what's, what's the girl's name that came, that did the children's ministry here? Um, Jennifer. You remember her telling the vision that she had? She's standing on the shore, and she looks out, and she sees Jesus in the middle of the water. And Jesus says, Jennifer, come walk to me. And she said, Jesus, I can't walk on the water. I can't do this. Y'all remember that? You remember? And Jesus says, look at me, Jennifer, look at me. And so she became transfixed in Jesus' eyes. Next thing she knows, she looks up and she's standing in the middle of the lake with Jesus. Because why? She fixed her hope on him. And what? You fix your hope on him, everything that he is becomes us. You can't touch him with your heart, heart to heart, and it not cause a heart transplant. You hear what I'm saying? You've got to open our heart. And so when we're talking about embracing the heart of God, what we're wanting to do is open our hearts. And I think of the, the Misty Edwards song, Arms Wide Open, Hearts Exposed. What's the next phrase? Sometimes, sometimes bleeding and there's sometimes, y'all, we open our hearts up to one another and to the Lord, and guess what? We're what? Bleeding. And he's doing, that's the statement of him toward us. But Y'all, so if I can open up and embrace the heart of God, take it to my heart, and God's heart to my heart, 
what becomes is the glory and the knowledge of God starts downloading into my heart and I am transformed into the same image. Notice this. See, Jesus came. Go to the next slide, please. Jesus came to reveal the heart of God the Father. I mean, in in the pre-incarnate statement in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 12, I will proclaim your name to my brothers. This is Jesus talking to the Father. The name. Name refers to what? Nature and character. The glory of who the Father is. The knowledge of who God is. In, in John 17, 25 and 26, O righteous Father, I have made your name known to them. Known to them and will make it known so that the love that is in me may also be in them. In other words, y'all, Jesus was about to reveal the heart of the Father to us. You catch the heart of the Father. What now the next slide? Catch this. The heart of God the Father releases relationship with Him. Okay? Y'all, many of you in here, there's some of you in here in this room, I guarantee you this, I'll take relationship with Jesus, but I'll not have the relationship with the Father. Man upstairs, yeah. You know, because you know, you remember, we've talked about this many times in Dwelling Place, you learn by the principle of association. So your mindset in relationship to Father is dysfunctional. My mindset in relationship to a Father was dysfunctional. So when I catch, and so it causes me. Sorry, I'm a, where's, I don't know where Leah is. She may be in the back. It's a good time to pick on her. But I remember Leah's testimony. Raised a great, a good dad, really good dad. She, but she was raised with three girls. And his dad, her dad, just so much wanting to be full of integrity, never opened his heart up to Leah to hear, and also to hear what was in her heart. I always just tried to do the good thing, right thing, provide the good house, but never opened his heart to her. And so Leah developed a mindset within her, and I may have it all blushed out, help me here, but her, her programming in her heart told her that God didn't want to know the depths of her, didn't want to communicate with her. So all of a sudden, but you start, Leah, down through the years, these 20-something years, seeing her catch the revelation of who God the Father is, it changed how her relationship with God the Father but then notice what it does. Empowers us to become a father and mother. See, when I embrace who God the Father is, it changes my relationship with God the Father. But you know what it also does? It empowers me to become a what? A father or a mother. When you talk about God the Father, just realize this. We're talking about God the Father, and really in God the Father, there is the heart of a mother and a father in it. So when I say God the Father, we're talking about mother and father right in it. So ladies, I speak to you. You're wondering how to to mother? Best place to do is look at the Father. People like me who don't know how to raise kids, the best place for me to look is at God the Father and look at how He fathers us. That He's the Father loves the Son and gives all things. The Father loves the Son and reveals all things. The Father speaks glory and honor. The Father pursues. 
Let's go. Father gives grace. The Father, the heart of the Father. So when I embrace the Father, the glory, the heart of God the Father, not only makes me right here, but empowers me here. Go to the next one. And I'll just hurriedly do this because I've established this. The heart of God the Father. Go to the next slide. I'm sorry. Next slide. The heart of God. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The glory, thoughts, opinions, and recognition, because there's a point in time Jesus appeared at the Son. For me to see and recognize Him as the Son. For those whom He foreknew, He predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. My destiny is to be a what? Son. Your destiny is to be a what? Son slash daughter. You know, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, I will be to you as a father, you will be to me as sons and daughters. That's a promise. So how it is released in us to become relationally functional is to catch the revelation of Jesus as the Son of God. Notice this, you know, that's our destiny. Jesus in John 17, 22 says, The glory God the Father had given to Jesus, he gave to us. Catch the statement. Go to the next statement. The heart of Jesus as the Son of God releases relationship. Okay, I want, and I stop there. Because there's two things in this. It releases relationship. It, see, one of the problems is, is like this. Okay, one of the heart of the Father, the heart of the Father is to give all things. But the heart of a son or daughter is to have the power to make wealth. Heart of a child is give me. The heart of a cha- slave is to give me. Heart of an orphan is to manipulate and control and to get wealth. But do you know the heart of a son or daughter? They know that they have the power to make wealth. They know they're an overcomer. Because whatever's born of God, what? Overcomes the world. But not only this, okay, to embrace Jesus. As the Son of God. His heart as a son. Watch his relationship to God the Father where he said, My food is to do the will of my Father. Where he says, he talks about honoring the Father. What it does in me, it makes me right relationship with God the Father. But you know how it will empower me to be as a son to who? My dad. And y'all, there's still places in my heart that's orphaned out in there. I remember the elders came to me when we were doing the property. You know, Paul and I back, I mean, years ago, eight years ago, you know, we just saw Sean has showed us this property, and all of a sudden we're knowing Paul and I had this vision in our heart, you know, you know, to do this, just a place for people to get messed up on Jesus. And, you know, for years this thing's been in us. And so we, you know, we just sold our townhouse and without even really saying to nobody. Sold our townhouse, we bought this property, and we moved into the trailer for six months. You know, in which the floor then was about to fall through. And, uh, and I remember after we started doing this thing, about a number of years later, the elders came to me and they're saying to me, Rick, why didn't you, why didn't you, 
Why didn't you ask us to join you in this? Why didn't you? I go, I don't know. That's a good question. Why didn't I? And all of a sudden, it hit me. When I said to Dad, I'm going into ministry, that was World War III. You, what are you laughing for, Eddie? <laughs> Eddie knew it. He was there. He saw it. I mean, he was bad. You stupid! That's the stupidest thing you could ever do. You can, deal, you can do Jesus stuff here. Stupid. When I told him we we're going to start dwelling place, what's the thing I heard? Stupid. When we was going to join with two other churches, that's really stupid. When I said I was going to buy the property, I felt like I had a vision about the property. That's stupid. Don't ever include me in it. So every time I was going to do something to make a difference, I'm expecting to hear what? Stupid. That's the heart of an orphan. And I just realized that when I, if I opened my heart up to the elders, what was I expecting to hear? Stupid. But they messed me up. And this church messed me up and said, Rick, we hear your heart. How, how can we stand with you? That there can be a place called 214 where John Miller walked out. Where, sorry if you must go with his daughter. Where 214 is from Hosea 214. I will lure her in the wilderness that I may speak kindly to her. See, what's happening is this God is empowering. Revealing Jesus, the Son of God, has opened his heart up to me. And I am taking on the glory of the Son. Now remember the 2 Corinthians 3.18. It goes from glory to glory. Y'all realize that? I should emphasize that. Glory to glory. I mean, Jesus ain't going to go do this to you. Just open his heart up, all this, like to you, all at one time and say, all right, download it all, Rick, right now. You would find me in a fetal position, probably in some corner. You have to carry me off to a psych hospital because there's too much junk in me right now. Been 37 years trying to learn what it's. Now, how many years I've been? I don't know. I've been saved a long time, more than that, 40 something years. But in it, just catching the, the heart of the Son of God. Real quick, let's go on. The heart of God as the brother Jesus. Six times in the New Testament, Jesus refers to us as brother. Six times. Like this one. Both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one, one father. For which reason he's not ashamed to call them brothers. You know, uh, certain facets of the heart of God are harder to embrace than others. And one of the ones that's really easy for me to embrace is the heart of the brother Jesus. Because I believe Trey's dad was... Jesus, as a brother, he was. You remember me telling you the story? I don't know if I've told, ever said this in public where you could hear it, Paula, but remember me telling you the story that when uh, Paula's pregnant with Shay, Charlton and Bud go and buy a diamond necklace for Paula and said, give this to her. Don't tell her where it's from. 
So I give Paula the diamond necklace when Shay's born. Look who's, look, look, who's, who's the hero? Me. But who was the real hero? Bud and Charlotte. That's the heart of the brother Jesus. He just he gives it all. See, the heart of the father gives it all. The heart of a, the brother gives it all up for the other children. The heart of a son looks for the, the welfare of the other children, this daughter. An orphan's worried about me. Slave's worried about me. Child's worried about me. A brother, a sister in the Lord, just gives it all up. Looks to redeem the other brothers and sisters. Powerful. That's why it says, I'm not ashamed to call them brothers. I remember Bud would come home from college and I would be in one of these, or in the Air Force, and I would be in one of these places where I'd done screwed up and, you know, where I probably was going to have to repeat high school three or four times. You know, thank the Lord I was in the days that when athletics did get you through high school. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Also, probably the reality is they wanted to get me out. Just graduate. Get him out of here, please. Do something with him. <laughs> you know? And in that place, you know, I mean, when I, by the time I got to college, I'm still taking freshman English as a junior in college, you know? And so, you know, that's why I married. No, it's not why I married, but that was one of the benefits, Paula, you know? God knew what I needed, an English major, to get me through college. But to embrace the heart of the brother Jesus changes me. Right relationship, but also changes me in relationship to you. Let's go on. Here's a big one. Well, let's go to the next one. The heart of God as Jesus the bridegroom. Let me just hurriedly go through this. But I don't want to hurriedly go through this. You know, y'all have been around me long enough. Y'all have seen the... How I, the 10 things that a husband is to the wife, and y'all have heard me preach it. You know, this is 10 things. And I remember Paula when I first started that, it was 10 things as checklists. And I would try to do those the head of the wife, you know, as Christ's church, you know, serve her, you know, nourish her, the whole bit, you know, all that did. And I saw that list and and would perform, I would teach it. And every place I'd teach it, I'd just cause arguments. In households. <laughs> it would. I mean, it's, it's tough. But the reality that God has been doing in my heart is revealing to me that husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. Now, wait a minute, y'all. Scripture is a sin is what? For all have sinned and fall short of the Glory of God. So my destiny to love Paula is to the measure of who? Now, y'all, let me ask a question. How can I love her? Now, she's awesome. How can I love her to the measure of Jesus? I can't gener generate enough love to get there, y'all. It's like me trying to dunk nowadays. Barely could get my hands above the rim back in the day. <laughs> but, but now it'd be like, 
oh, dude, if my life depended on dunking now, it would be bad. A basketball, that is. That's what I'm talking about. But that's like it is to love, to love Paul. Now, she's awesome, but to love her to the measure of loving as Jesus loves the church, no way. No way. But the only way that I can, heart transplant. When all I started confessing into myself, Jesus, let me see your glory. Let me see your glory. And I'm transformed from what? Glory to glory. I mean, there's things in Paul and I's relationship that are not the same today that they were two weeks ago. Three weeks ago. Because it's because I've changed myself, dude. No. I've seen the glory of the bridegroom, Jesus. His heart changes my heart. So y'all, wives, I want to say something to you. Intercede for your husbands. Not telling them how they're missing it. Speak the glory of God into them. Speak the glory. And that's the same thing for Paula with me. She stands in the gap. Oh, yeah, and, and Paula's really cool to help me catch revelation when the glory of Rick is manifested and not the glory of Jesus, the bridegroom. And that's cool. That's cool. I mean, that's really important. That's mercy. It's mercy. It's not a mercy. It's not, is it not mercy for you to be walking around in public and having a booger hanging out of your nose and somebody come up and telling you, excuse me, Rick. Or, you know, one of the other one's traumatic events is to be standing up here in front of everybody and you have your zipper down and everybody's going, everybody in the whole place knows it except for you. And everybody's afraid to say something because they don't want to embarrass. I've watched that before. And seen, stood in the back and watched the guy stand up there preach the whole time with a zipper down. And everybody's not hearing a word he said. It's mercy for somebody to go, isn't it? There's mercy of God to go, Rick, I'm sorry, that's not the love of the bridegroom whom grace speaks it into you. Let me share the last one. Go to the next one. A heart of the Holy Spirit. I'm going, God, what is that? Man, there's all kind of crazy revelation. I'm just giving you pieces of these things, y'all. Pieces. But notice the characteristics, the heart of the Holy Spirit. When He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own initiative. Oh, that's interesting. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. How many times I got up to speak, I've got something to say. The Holy Spirit never speaks on his own initiative. Notice this. Whatever he hears, he will speak. Mitch sort of prayed it this morning. Now, you know the secret of the kingdom of God is hearing the word of the king and speaking it. That's a big statement. And there's a whole lot behind it. But the secret of operating in the kingdom of God is hearing the word of the king and speaking the word of the king and nothing else. It says, whatever he hears, he will speak. He will disclose what has come. 
He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and disclose it to you. He will glorify me. What is the heart of the Holy Spirit? The heart of the Holy Spirit is, go to the next slide. The heart of the Holy Spirit releases relationship in relationship to the Holy Spirit and God. And empower us to become one who seek to glorify God and not to be glorified. That we don't live life. It's all about me, Jesus. So how do I make a difference? I really don't try to make a difference. All I do is embrace the heart of God. The heart of the Father releases in me to... The passion to be a father. Now, let me, the Lord told me to speak this. Some of you in here are single and you go, how can I be a father or mother? You know what? I was long before a father or, a mo- or Paula a mother before we ever had Shay. Sorry, Tony, I want to go somewhere. But right there is one of them. Tony. Maddox. Agni Morgan. I mean... Her father got killed a few months before it, before I ever met her. She accepted Jesus, and then she became a permanent fixture in our house, wherever we lived in the United States. I think there's only one house that we've lived in that you haven't been. We've moved 20-something times, and Tony's only, I think there's only one that she's not ever been in our house. What was that? So I just want to speak into you can father and mother. Kim Bonner's a mother. Rick Sizemore is not the father of dwelling place. Rick Sizemore is a father in dwelling place. Paula Sizemore is not the mother of dwelling place. Paula Sizemore is a mother in dwelling place. Behold fathers, behold mothers. So, anyway. His heart. You got something? I know we're supposed to do something. All I, could, all I could pray all day was, y'all, it's just, I just want your heart, God. I just want your heart. I just want your heart. Come and come up here and do something so I can get my head together. And... 